Yeah, I finished that book series today that I've been listening to. What series is that? The Red Rising. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely needs to be a TV show. <laughs> All right. Well, if, if it's written down somewhere, I'm sure someone's trying to do it. Oh, yeah. Like somebody already owns the rights. Oh, yeah. So, um, Obviously, it was one of those ones where it's just like the guy who, who took out the pattern for 21st Century Fox. <laughs> like for like 10 quid, but he did it back in like the 1980s when they weren't thinking about it. And then now he owes them. They owe him a shitload of money if they wanted to use 21st Century Fox. They just kept using 20th. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck that guy. What yeah. a guy. He's a fucking genius. He's a hero of the modern age. Hello, welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom. As one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. Tonight, we're talking about the final two episodes of The Mandalorian Season 2. Episode 7, The Believer, and Episode 8, The Rescue. Yeah. Yes. So, that was good, isn't it? It's back. It's back, baby. Um, yeah, so this is us rounding up. We've been covering The Mandalorian. We've been doing two episodes at a time. Um, and yeah, we've had a bit of a delay on this one because, you know, Christmas happened. Um, yeah, but now Christmas we finally, yeah, just the general fact that the world's in chaos. Yeah, and we've actually had a couple of movies out over the last week, which we've covered, and you guys <laughs> have seen. We've yeah. done, yeah, Wonder Woman and Soul um, have both been released in various different formats, but we managed to cover them as well, so that's delayed us a little bit. Um, yeah. But we we did watch it. We are aware of it. We know the internet blew up. I got spoiled for the final episode before. Oh we, I, man! Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But yeah. So we know, and we know what the major talking point is. Um, we will get to it, but I do want to talk around that first. Before I want to save that for later, um, because that will be a big conversation when we get to that point. Um, yeah. From a you know, how did they do it? Did we like it? All that. There's lo- loads of elements of that to talk about. But before we do, we want to talk about um, the other stuff that's gone on on the Mandalorian in the last couple of weeks. Yes. Um, so first of all. Episode seven, The Believer. Yeah, that's the Bill Burr. That's the Bill Burr episode, yeah. Yeah. So every episode, it's been very, the whole season, and I guess this this um, episode of the podcast is also going to be us sort of wrapping up our thoughts on season two. Yeah. Um, but the whole season has been very episode of the week and sort of character of the week, if you like. So we had the Ahsoka episode, we had the Bo-Katan episode, we had um, the... Uh, I always forget his character's name, but um, Apollo Creed. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. I forgot his real name as well. I forgot everything. Um, oh, so, okay. Yeah, I've forgotten it now. It's gone. Gail, Gary, David. Like that. Anyway, we had a Carl Weathers episode, and then we also have a Bill Burr episode. And it's basically, and it's part of one of the issues that I have with the series, much as I loved yeah. it, and I'm going to prerequisite everything by saying this season has been amazing. And I've loved yeah. it. Every, week on week, it's been great. And it's been just a great bit of Star Wars every week. Um, but I have found that it's been, it's been a case of, oh, I wonder who's going to turn up to upstage Mandalorian this week. Yes. Um, and last <laughs> and for episode six, it was Bill Burr. Bill Burr upstage Mandalorian. Yeah. I'm, it's, I feel the same because it's, I think part of it is because of the rampant stoicism of uh din yeah that's true yeah it's that they do have a character that's like yeah i mean he's 90, like, he's 90, he's like, he's, 
He's not covered up. Yeah. He's he's just a disembodied voice. Well, he's he's a voice, but an embodied voice, but you know, there could be anyone under that. So it's, you know, quite often so I think having that in there is an intelligent decision, but it does often rely on the fact that it's here's this mysterious figure. And I, that's one of the things that I want to talk about la- later on about how we go through season three. Mm, yeah. Um, with things that happen yeah. because there's only so many times that I can go, Oh, that's this, this is okay because it's, it's this guy and Din Jaren and this guy and Din Jaren and this lady and Din Jaren and this person and Din Jaren. And you just kind of get to a point and you're like, okay, like, okay, it's Timothy Oliphant, it's Bill Burr, it's Carl Weathers, it's Ming-Na Wen, it's Tamara Morrison. It's, yeah. you know, I, so, like, but I don't get me wrong, so much... I enjoyed the episode for, for the content that it had, yeah. but I'm kind of feeling like we're the Mandalorian and we're just being taken on, we're like being driven around as a passenger in somebody else's story or a series yeah. of other people's stories. Yeah, and they've like I think part of that is like their plans for Disney Plus, and and something else we'll talk about in this episode as well is all the things that were announced um, a couple of weeks ago as part of the Disney um, Investor Day. Call it was they announced all these different spin-off shows, and then they announced another one as part of the uh, finale for Mandalorian. So, and they, in hindsight, looking back at this season, you can see, oh right, this is jump this season two of the Mandalorian. Much as it is also continuing the story of Din and who we now know to be Grogu, it's mm. also a backdoor pilot for like four different new series. Yeah. Um, and we get that. And like, I feel like now that they've done that, hopefully it will focus up more going into the following seasons. Um, yeah. But again, like if it is a backdoor pilot and I feel like this, this Bill Burr episode to me feels the closest, like between that and then um, the, uh, Carl Weathers and Gina Carraro episode, a couple of, you know, uh, what was it, episode four, I think, when they were back on Navarro. Yeah. Um, I think if you take those two together, that is your setup for the, what they've announced as the um, Marshals of the New Republic series. Yeah. Um, I feel like Bill Burr will be a part of that. But I think what I really liked, and I do, I really like this episode. Like at first, I was a little bit disappointed by it because given the sort of cliffhanger we were left on on episode uh, six. Um, when Baby Yoda got um, snatched, I was expecting it to be right. Round up the troops. We're going to go kick some ass. Yeah. Um, and this was no, like another little side quest before we could do that. Um, yeah. And it, which... it, again, it was one of those things. It's like I'm going to help you, but first. Yeah. Yeah. It was another one of them. And initially, I was disappointed by that. But then on revisiting it, I really like this episode and some of the sort of the deeper stuff they get into and the sort of like. Bill Burr's character is great because he's kind of he just questions everyone's motivations and everyone's beliefs um, yeah. and like the episode's called The Believer, it makes you start to you know, think about all the, the moral grey areas and stuff in, in the Star Wars universe and you know, you, you go to this imperial occupied planet and there's just all the, you know, all the people being subjugated and the, the resources being mined and like, and Bill Burr's just like, look, to them it's no different who's in power, whether it's um, the Empire or the New Republic it's like it doesn't make any difference and then he's and he's sort of he's poking at mando as well saying right well you've you've taken your helmet off and put another helmet on so what is your belief can you never take the helmet off or can you not show your face and like it yeah. it, it just shows it that 
oh yeah people are only as good as like you you can have your beliefs and your you know your devout religion or whatever it happens to be but then when when push comes to shove when things get tough how far are you you know willing to take it yeah um, exactly and that's the point of that episode and yeah and and like seeing the the imperials are the good guys like they, they have the millennium falcon moment but it's two tie fighters yeah and it's just like i don't know how i'm supposed to feel about this <laughs> like and 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 you're right and it's like this victorious moment and they're all brought into like applause and everybody's saluting them and they're all like and you're like i'm wait i was i was backing them yeah you know i do want these guys to succeed yeah, and then all the like, you know the, the fact that we have this and it's the the look of that episode is un, unreal as well. Oh, it's unbelievable! It's just so much of it is a, is a an action sequence where it's like they're on top of a moving transport. It's the sort of fighting on top of the train trope, but yeah. it's an outdoor fight sequence. Which you know, when they do do them is like because you realise that is a TV show and a lot of the time they have to just be restricted to corridors and stuff like that. Um, but not in this episode. This episode it felt no. like the scale of it felt like they'd gone onto location somewhere in a jungle and they were filming and really blowing shit up, but they weren't. It was yeah. just, it was all just, um, but yeah, that's what I mean. And continuing like, like this, like sort of like wild west approach, yeah. like, you know, and they're like, Oh, we got to get them their varmints and we got to dress up in the, you know, like the, like the Dixie uniform. Yeah. Um, you know, to yeah, get love- into their fort so that we can get this information from this guy. We can steal this map that leads us to this guy's castle, you know? Yeah. Um, and th- but- they are like age-old stories, but they are fucking great age-old stories. Yeah, and like this one, like- I was saying to you, like the first time I watched this one, I didn't really, I was like, well, it felt like a bit of a letdown at first. Mm. And then I went back and watched it a couple of that. I didn't do what I normally do, which is like watch it and then go back and watch it that night. I watched it and then I went back a few days later to watch it. And I was like, okay, you know, it's a bit better than I thought, but it is still, you know, somebody still swoops in at the last minute to save them. And on an episode where they've got to go and find this guy to help, but we can't, he can't do anything until we do this for him. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's like, yeah, I know what you mean, but it, like, it raises lots of questions in it, and it makes you think about things. Like, I think that the, yeah, it just it, you go, all oh, right, well, these these pirates are coming after the transport ship, and well, we got to fight them off. And then you start to think about it. You go, wait a minute. So, in another in another series, these would be the good guys. They're that like this is like yeah. the kind of mission that that they would go on in Rebels. To try, oh, the Empire's you know stripping the mine the the core out of this planet to. to um, build their war machine we're going to try and steal it back off them or blow up the transport yeah that's like the kind of mission they go on in rebels but then again we get like the tie fighters come in and then you get all the remaining um uh pirates as they're labeled just getting completely gunned down by a load of stormtroopers and it's played as this heroic moment yeah and it makes you go fuck and then again like we've had these conversations with bill burr already where it's like well look if you're born on mandalore you believe one thing if you're born on alderaan you mean something else yeah like what's the difference i'm like i like that this is challenging like the the really simple black and white good and evil nature of star wars and actually sort of putting a spotlight under it um and that's really obviously put um a finer point on it when you get to that um standoff he has with the imperial officer yeah which is an amazing scene 
that is fucking brilliant. And obviously, you know, we're at a point now where we're talking about the end game of Mandalorian. So if you're listening to this episode and you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, but we are definitely going to be going into spoilers here, like in a big way. Yeah. Because that conversation where he's talking about like Operation Cinder, which you're probably going to be more familiar with, Dom, because you played a lot more of the games. And... Yeah, so Operation Cinder is from the campaign mission from the um, Battlefront 2. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a weird bit of the of the new canon because uh, they it's it's kind of it's the emperor's contingency plan if he was to die, um, you know, slash and burn in every part of the galaxy sort of thing, which has kind of been fucked up now because they brought the emperor back. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, again, yeah. we we learn about you know Bill Burr's backstory, and it's like, oh, he, look, I was just a grunt. I was a serving soldier um, as part of the Imperial military, and at one point, the Operation Cinder happened, and we just, yeah, the Emperor was. It was just a case of burn everything, and there was just no like entire cities full of civilians and Imperial troops and everyone because it's a galactic-wide thing that you think about. And that's something else they they do really well is to sort of remind you of the scale of everything. Um, and he goes, "Yeah, everyone died. You just killed everybody." And it's like, "Yeah." And the guy goes, "Oh yeah, but it was a glory, you know, all for the glory of the empire." I was like, "Was it? All about? Yeah, was it a good day for the for all the families, all those people who were just defending their homes? Was it a good day for all the guys I served with? Was it?" He's like, "Really pushing yeah. at him," and it's just like. And like it's getting more and more tense, and we've got Mando there. Pedro's managed; he's got his helmet off, so he's actually being able to react. But like, he's like, "Dude, dude, shut up, shut up!" And then as this guy, this guy is like a proper Nazi, and he starts talking about you know, people think they want freedom, but look at the new the new Republic; they're in disarray; they can't fucking handle anything. And we again, we've seen evidence of that in this series. Yeah, we've seen that like there's complete lawlessness, and it wasn't until like um, Cara Dune and um, uh, Carl Weathers sorted it out in Navarro that they were able to get any sort of law and order there because the New Republic has just sort of abandoned the Outer Rim to absolute just chaos. There's two X-Wing guys flying around trying to sort it out and saying, look, we need local support. We can't do shit. Um, Help. Yeah, exactly. Please. Meanwhile, the Emperor, the Empire seems to be like growing and growing and getting, yeah, they've got these bases and everything. And this is what the guy's saying. is like, look, people will come back to us with open arms because all they want is order. Rather than just this cat, and it reminded me again. It reminded me of sort of Hydra um, in. Oh Marvel. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, order versus chaos, and just yeah, the, we will rule with an iron fist because that's all people care about. Um, and yeah, and they did, but that's great. I love all that stuff, um, and that's the kind of that, that's the kind of stuff I want to see more of, both in Mandalorian and potentially in this new. Uh, what's it called? The uh, Rangers of the New Republic series, the sort of yeah. geopolitics of the galaxy, if you like. Yeah, um, I really want to see a lot more of that in like the Rangers show. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's and the place for it. That makes that's where it makes sense. Yeah, because she's like a surviving person from that era, and it's sort of taking somebody else's war and forcing Mando into it, rather than us continuing on his quest now, which is going to be, you know, this sort of you know the Mandalorian backstories and. Like uh, like you say about like the the mantle of what he's now, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be the Mandalorian with a couple of M. It's about it's the Mandalor the Mandalorian with you know 
in Mandalore and it's going to get into all that stuff. So it means that the, you know, the Imperial Revenant versus the New Republic storyline can yeah. get sort of spun off into its own thing, which it is. And similarly with some of the Jedi stuff that we've touched upon, we'll get spun off and we're going to get an Ahsoka series to talk about all her stuff. Um, but I, I do think it's all going to culminate and they are going to bring it all back together again, sort of Avengers style. Yeah, um, because they've said that this is like a... They've said that this is all like one story, haven't they? Yeah, they've said, what they do go with all their series that have announced. They've announced, there's a few now where they they make a point of saying that it's set within the timeline of the Mandalorian, and that's the term they use rather than okay. anything else. So it may, I think those series are um, Rangers of the New Republic, um, Ahsoka, and the Book of Boba Fett. Those are the three series that are directly tied into the Mandalorian and what's going on with the Mandalorian. We also have other stuff like the Obi-Wan series and the Andor series, but they're like decades before. So that doesn't, that doesn't tie in. No. But those three specifically do. Um, so I think what will, the one thing that's going to tie everything up, I think what will end up happening is that those, all those series will progress in their own way. And then we'll end up with Thrawn being the big bad that they all have to come together to fight. Right. Okay. I think Thrawn will be because he's going to be like the closest they'll have to a new emperor, basically. Yeah. Um, uniting all of the Imperial Remnant, potentially trying to retake Mandalore, and then it will be a case of Ahsoka will help, the New Republic Rangers will help, and Din and whatever state Mandalore is in, and they'll all have to come together to sort out Admiral Thrawn. Got you. Uh, okay. That's my prediction. Uh, okay, anyway. Yeah. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's could work. Um, and Thrawn will be played by Benedict Cumberbatch, um, obviously. Oh. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> I was going to suggest Ben Mendelsohn, but then I remembered Rogue nah, One. He was already in it. But he was he was upstaged by a dead man um, with a weird CGI face. Um, I, don't well, I, don't know, I don't know if he was upstaged. I, I think he was... I think there was a heavy distraction... Of a dead man. I feel like that's that's my definition of being upstaged. There's something in if there's something in the room that is pulling focus from you, a living, breathing <laughs> okay. human being, that's yeah. kind of like being upstaged, isn't it? And I feel like that something similar happened in the Mandalorian, but we're not talking about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and just I think just wrapping up that yeah that that um, episode seven yeah episode seven um, yeah great to see a little bit of. Um, Boba Fett doing his thing. What did you think about the new paint job he's given himself? I really like it. Yeah. I know not a lot of people are big fans of it, but I really, really like it. Yeah, it's cool. I just know it just doesn't, it, it took some getting used to. I think I'm used to it now. Um, but like at first, I was just like, oh, no, I don't like this. I, don't, yeah. I was like, why now? Why have you re, why have you given yourself a paint job now? I don't get it. Like you've always been covered in shit. Yeah. Um, but I guess, and I think like, it like, yeah. Because I it, going back to like episode one mm. when we got like the Cobb Vanth bit yeah. and we're like, oh, okay, you know, and like I literally say on that episode, like I had trouble because I wasn't sure if it was Boba Fett's armor because it was so dated mm. and then so it was so aged and so fucked up. And then for it to be like confirmed, it's like, Yes, that is Boba Fett's armor. This is him now wearing his armor again, and this is what it looks like when it's fresh. Yeah, but the, and I'm the like, thing you is know what? Because this is the fact that it's now like a fresh set of, you know, fresh paint job. Yeah. And then it clicked to me. I'm like, 
yeah, it's because he's getting his own show. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. But also, I just... yeah, and I know everyone likes to, you know, the Star Wars universe thing, but at the same time, I'm like, that looks fucking tasty. Yeah, it did look cool, and I'm like, yeah, I've got used to it. At first, I was just like, oh no, I don't like that because yeah, you know, he's meant to be, he's meant to be covered. But then, I suppose um, the thing with it is like, he's never been as beat up as it was at this point because it has this is the first time he's got his hand presumably and we don't know if this is the case hopefully this is a detail we'll get um fleshed out in his show but i assume that this is the first time he's had his armor since he got out of the sarnat pit yeah so that probably means that he took an absolute beating in the sarlat pit itself and like went through and that's why it looks like even more worn than it was at, in return of the jedi and he's probably gone. Look, I can't. This isn't. This is going to lose its integrity if I keep it going any longer. I'm going to have to get. It's yeah. not just a coat of paint. It's a like a proper refurb sort of thing. Yeah. Um. That's yeah. That's my headcanon for it anyway. And I think we will probably. We, I think they they've got to tell us how we got out of the Solar Pit. They've got to. I think they will. I think that I think they are going to tell that story. But I don't know if it's like it was left in the Solar or he traded it in to somebody because. He needed to. He needed some cover, and he needed to get away from it. And... Yeah, there's got to be a story about how he got separated from his armor, um, and I want to know about his ship as well, and what the story behind that is. Because, yeah, from from the way yeah. he, they showed him in at the very end of episode one, um, it made it seem as though he'd been stranded there all that time, um, and then he just rocks up with Slave One, and you're like, well, if you've had that the whole time, why have you just been hanging around on Tatooine? You know. So I thought, yeah, there's thought, a lot well, of unanswered questions in there. Isn't well, it's good that they were getting a book of Boba Fett, then, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, his his hero moment um, coming in and giving the guys a lift, and then he gets to use the um, the sonic depth charge. Um, oh, classic, epic. Yeah, really cool use of that. And again, another it's another tie back to the prequels. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they are. All Star Wars is valid to these guys, to um, Filoni and Favreau. Um, and there's so many like little deep cuts and that, but that is a, a really recognizable one that everyone can get behind. Yeah. And I thought it was fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Boba Fett's line about when they were all discussing who's going to go in. Um, and he's like, let's just say they might recognize my face. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Cause I was like, huh? Oh yeah, because it's the most recognizable face in the galaxy because there's yeah. literally billions of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it's fucking great. It was great to see um it was a good episode and it yeah. was good to see like Kara working with Fennec. Yeah. And it was good to see them having a conversation about different things. And it was good to see different things happening in the Star Wars universe. It's just the placement of it felt yeah, it- yeah that's where i sort of really sort of struggle with this season is that it's not so much the pacing as other people have said or anything like that it's it's the it's the structure because again it's like one of the main issues i've always had with mando is it always feels like uh less of like a monster of the week more than a director of the week yeah definitely um and this so like in this season two now we've got to the end of it Again, I is expectations. I was expecting there at some point there has to be like a two-part episode mm-hmm. um, to, to play a story out, and it never happened. Not once. Um, and no. Again, I. But the reason I had that expectation is because that's what I did in season one. Um, yeah. Season, you know, the the finale of season one was was essentially a two-part episode. It ended on a cliffhanger and then picked up immediately afterwards. 
uh, with the same set of characters in the same location. Um, and they didn't do that this time. So I kept going in, like going into episode seven. That's what I was expecting. I was like, right, it's going to be, he's going to gather up all these people that we've seen over the last however many episodes. And then they've got to go and get baby Yoda. And that's going to take at least two episodes to tell that story. Yeah. Um, but that's not what they did. They did no. something completely different. Um, so again, it's a case of, you know, victim of expectations, I guess. But I, I love what, well, what they did. And that's Star Wars in a nutshell, isn't it, really? Like, Absolutely, yeah. Um, and some people can accept what is given to them and the fact that it's different than their expectations. And some people can't. Some people just get hung up on their expectations and can't accept the new thing that's been presented to them. Um, mm. I like to think that you and I are part of the latter group of Star Wars fans. Yeah, where we can let go of our expectations and just accept what what it is. Um, but there are some yeah. people who can't do that. But we'll talk about no, them later. they can't. And they, those people don't deserve what we're getting. Um, in my opinion, because like I appreciate like so, uh, and that's the one thing I would always say. Like especially when we've touched on subjects in the past where we're talking about stuff like um, like Captain Marvel, who's a particularly mm-hmm. divisive film and character and actress. But like the ability to be how uh, the ability for us to be able to have a civil discourse conversation there, yeah, and be able to say I disagree with you because, and that still be valid because we respect one another's opinions because we're not fucking idiots. And it's yeah. So I would like to sort of state that if you are one of those people that is like chronically unable to get over your own expectations and feel the need to scream and shout at people about it then that's not the sort of conversation that we'd like to have but if yeah. somebody's like actually i i think that it would work better in this way or more effective in this way then that's the sort of stuff we love to talk about yeah exactly yeah you know but um yeah and then some of the other comments we're not going to get into it because it's just we're just shouting at the internet now but um there's a lot of other things that happen in that episode like the, the conversations that happen you see the wider world there's character building you see a lot more the fact that it's <clears throat> on another brand new planet is all separate but yeah moving into the final episode mm-hmm. yeah so now the finale holy yeah. shit um this was a bit it was a big one then it just it, it came out swinging for the fences we open up with this like this chase between um slave one and what ends up being that a imperial transport ship that's got the doctor yeah. on there um and they have this tense standoff and it's all about again tracking down moff gideon um so they now they, they've established from the last episode they established where moff gideon is yeah. We then need to find this guy to give us a, a better layout of the facility, I guess, or of the ship, so yeah. we know where to go. Um, so we we have like two little side missions right up to start. First to get him, and then to get um, Bo-Katan and and get her support. But I love this, this again. This whole setup at the beginning was a great sort of discussion. Again, it carries on some of that stuff from the from that previous episode with the the Imperial pilot. Yeah, he was great. And he just gets this, yeah, he, he has, we're in this standoff and puts a gun to the doctor's head. Um, and he's just taunting Cara Dune, like saying, yeah, I saw your planet destroyed. Yeah. What a like, prick. Yeah, but like, he's also, but then he's also saying, I was on the Death Star and there were millions of, and, and she, and like, she, she has a great retort, which is, which one? <laughs> which yeah. is great. But he goes, oh yeah, no, you know the millions of people that were killed on those bases? And you go, 
Oh fuck yeah. Because because this has been something that people have talked about in like the canon. Like I remember there's the classic um clerks. Oh. Clerks, yeah. The the clerks conversation. What about the independent contractors working on the Death Star? Huh? Yeah. What about them? And now they're actually making it canon and actually bringing it up. Um yeah. and actually going, yeah. And having just spent an episode with Bill Burr, who was just an enlisted man, just following, you know, he is a character we like, but in the in the you know in the trilogy, if Bill Burr had been like, say, you know, in Return of the Jedi, there's the guy who just who falls over the edge of the reactor room when Han throws yeah. a box at him. <laughs> yeah. He goes, ah! yeah, him. like that could have been Bill Burr. Yep, quite easy. Bill Burr could have Bill Burr could have easily been the person that shot the turbo laser that took out any of the guys in the uh, the trench run. Yeah, you know, or, yeah, he could equally, have been he... one of the guys that was carrying the ammo. But equally, he could have also been the Finn who was cleaning a toilet. Exactly. Yeah. And but now, and now we get this guy who is clearly a prick, but he's making that point of there were millions of what you're saying that every one of those millions of guys who were, who were on that base, and because it was millions, because remember these things were the size of a moon, so it mm. was literally it wasn't just like a few thousand people in a, in a military base. It was literally like a planet's worth, population's worth, or a city's yeah. population's worth, and you just wiped them out. Did you think about that? And you got, and again, it gives you that shit. Yeah. It makes it all seem real. It makes it all seem not just a big, oh, there's a big explosion and all the teddy bears are cheering. Yay. <laughs> like it makes it all real. Yeah. Um, it's great. I love it. It grounds again. it so much more. And that's one, again, <clears throat> one of the things that I really love about um, Mando is yeah, it, it series, grounds yeah. so much of this world. And you go, okay, this is like this. It almost infinite universe well very small universe actually where people can zip from one side to the other and everyone's familiar with the same stuff yeah but at the same time you go okay like i'm 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 in on this i'm okay with it because this is fucking wicked yeah but exactly. having stuff like in here does really ground it and like i'm that's one of the things that i like about stuff like um like the books, because they talk about things that are on like a more ground level. They talk about things that are a little bit easier to get through. Yeah, exactly. like uh, talking like... about like the trouble of like if you do want to enlist in the rebellion, it's like it's not easy. You know, it's all, it always ends up being like, oh, this is like a convenient person that's here to be like, oh, can you kind of come and help us? And I guess you're one of us now. Whereas with the Imperials, it's really easy to join up because they've got enlisting stations everywhere and. um you know, all these different things and like you're seeing, you know, it's one of the biggest hopes that I've always had about Mandalorian is, is it's, it's not always going to be about Jedi. No. Because Star Wars is so much bigger than that. It is a Star Wars universe. It's not Jedi's and co. And that's yeah. what a lot of things always sort of tend to sort of fall back in, which is like the next sort of expanded universe thing that I'm trying to get into is um, like the Dr. Afra book. Yes. It's like next yeah. on my reading list to watch. And I'm really sort of really excited for that because it's again, it's a non Jedi book. Yeah, and there was there was we thought that was what the one of the um TV shows was going to be. It turns out that ended up being the Acolyte, I think they announced. Um, yeah. That's the what for the longest time everyone was like, Oh, it's Dr. Alpha, it's got to be Dr. Alpha, surely. And then they, it turns out they're doing something different with it. Um but that does also sound in like an interesting corner of the universe. Um, mm. to be exploring but it's not that is a bit more jedi sith focused yeah um but i think yeah they are expanding out and we are going to get more and more but this particular the first two seasons of mandalorian 
have been dominated by a Jedi-led storyline in Grogu. Yeah, and it's not um, been too much of an issue with Grogu because he's been this, you know, pretty much helpless baby until... Yeah, like, he's a MacGuffin. He's, he's, had, not, he's he, not a character yeah. as such. He's not, do you know what I mean? He dro- he's the thing that drives the plot forward, but all the things that happen around him... Like, again, the whole episode that we had, episode seven, was all about getting the coordinates to find Moff Gideon to find Grogu, but he wasn't in the episode. And yeah. although he's driving the fo- plot forward, everything that's in the episode is about the rebels versus the Mandalorians, what you believe, yeah. what, what the, the aftermath of the war, who's in charge, has, who's not in charge, all that sort of stuff, which is, again, nothing to do with the Jedi. Jedi don't get mentioned at, at all. Um, yeah. And that's why, yeah, it's a strong episode. Um, like the closest thing we've got there is the Ahsoka episode, which is yeah. like one episode of that. And you're like, this is okay. This is yeah. what I want. Yeah, it's just a samurai want- standalone. And again, she's getting her own show. So if you like that, cool. She gets her own show. Yeah. Exactly. And then when we're getting like like you say, like the backdoor pilot of um like the book of Boba Fett, yeah. for example. Like we see that with uh the episode that he's in where he's just turning up a wrecking shop. He's not a cowboy, you know? Yeah. Like Mando is for lack of a better sort of term. He's not a cowboy, but he's also not a, a space samurai. No, exactly. He's yeah. He's just he's, he's just thing. a simple man trying to make his way in the universe. Exactly. And like Rodriguez has already sort of come out and said, I don't want him to be like a gunslinger. Yeah. I don't want him to be like a samurai. I want him to be a barbarian. I want him to be a fucking warrior. Well, that's what and I'm, I'm like. That's perfect because we can have that in Boba Fett. We can have Mando be Western. We can have Ahsoka be Jedi. We can have this be this and this be this. They are making this amazing universe from yeah. Mando. Yeah, and if it means that, like, if if the the outcome of that is that season two suffered from a bit of choppiness, I'm all right with it. Do you know what I mean? I, mean yeah. if I can live with it because it, week on week I've been getting some great Star Wars content, and it has felt a little bit choppy at times. But the outcome is we get all this expansion going on and all these like branches branching off, um, which is great. Um, and I feel like it will be more focused going into season three, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, then we get we get the um, we go back to so we do get some returning characters in this, thank God, because I was at first yeah I was expecting these final episodes to be a case of uh, Mando just going around and getting all the little side characters from the, across the season to come and help him get Yoda. So I was expecting Ahsoka's going to come back, Cobb Vanth is going to come back. Um, That's exactly what I thought was going to happen, and I think yeah. I probably said on the recording that I thought yeah. it was going to happen. Um, but the one thing that I thought was of all of them that like had to happen was Bo-Katan because of the whole dark saber element of it, and the fact that they've got this alignment in terms of they're both they both want Moff Gideon. So I thought if if no one else comes back, it has to be um, Bo-Katan. And I, yeah, we were right basically. Yeah, um, and it makes perfect sense the way they left it off. I'm glad they brought her back, so it sort of it validates that episode even more. Um, and we do get that sort of continuation of her storyline, her beef with um, Moff Gideon. Um, but it just it also means we get this great standoff with her and Boba Fett. Yeah, when Boba Fett turns up, first of all, it's great seeing him and um, Din walking in together into a bar. Like both in their full, I'm like, it's just I was like, oh, fuck, that's the spin-off I want. Like I love all these spin-offs, but just a cop show with these guys, like Miami Vice. But like, the old joke: two Mandalorians walk into a bar. Yeah, you know, stop yeah. me if you heard this one before. Exactly, and they were great. And then, but then the whole debate about whether Boba Fett is a Mandalorian or not gets <laughs> starts up again. <laughs> but then, like, then they start giving him a load of shit. 
get, he gets called a sidekick. <laughs> Ironically, the, the biggest dig I think, which is the best one, is when like he's talking about this father. This armor was given to me by my father. And she goes, "What? Don't you mean your donor?" Yeah, because I've heard that voice a thousand times. You're just another clone. You're nothing. So you're like, you're not. He's not your father, is he? You're just a clone. <laughs> it's such <laughs> it's a fucking. It's such a fuck you. It's such a fuck yeah. you. But it's such a like a little again, tapping it. If you're a Star Wars fan, you know what she's talking about, and like, yeah, you realise what a dig that is, and and it works as well because you're like, okay, this is clever. Like we all kind of get it, and it's it feels like a joke that isn't laboured. Yeah, because a lot of the times you're going to be like, especially with stuff in Star Wars, you could probably be quite patronised into like a quick exposition dump and they'll be like don't you mean your donor you know and then there'll be something along the lines of oh are you saying that because i'm a clone i'm not a clone i'm an imper- i'm a perfect recreation and blah, blah blah and he was written you know it doesn't need to do that it just goes fuck you and then they have a punch just, up just whispers to the camera action comics number two, two. Like that, yeah like that, that, that little thing like Go, go yeah, watch just a little box walls. pops up in the little yellow box pops up in the corner signed signed off by Stan Lee. Yeah. You know it works in comics and it's really effective to do that in comics because it helps you sort of learn a bit more. But you just really didn't need it in this, and I respect them more for doing that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it, like so you get that straight away, and we go right. Yeah, we're getting these guys, and you get what we thought we were going to get in the previous episode, which is. Mando putting together a team, putting together a squad. Um, yeah. but yeah, we um, and then with, and basically the rest of the episode is just is it's called the rescue and it is about their rescue of baby Yoda or Grogu. Yeah, um, and they that we have a great we have a little planning scene where they're like, right, this is what how we're going to go in, this is where we need to go. We like interrogate this doctor bloke who tells us, right, this is where the uh dark troopers are being housed. It takes them a few minutes to come online. Um, because right we're going to create a distraction go over here um mm-hmm. it's interesting that, like the doctor i hope they bring him back um i think they have to but it's interesting that how willing he was to help he was sort of you know he was like oh your, your information is outdated here's where you should go and he we from season yeah. one we knew he was concerned about the child and he wanted the child not to be hurt yeah um so it's interesting where he is. and the other thing that we did get confirmed as well from the um from the shuttle pilot is that he is a clone engineer Ah uh, yes. So he did say that you understand how important this man is. He is a, he's a cloning engineer or something, and that's what he, he gives him that label, which yeah, interesting. Yeah, means a lot because obviously we are talking about the fact that they are that are like it's yeah. Star Wars is not in isn't isn't is in a good place at the moment from a film perspective. The way that the last two films have not been particularly well received yeah. in different ways. And we won't get into that because we've covered it to death. But uh, the shows have ended pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like what's what's interesting here and the reason we bring up the cloning and I think what we're getting at is that it's potential for them to tie back into the movies and some of the more controversial elements of the movies, i.e. Yeah. the bringing back of Palpatine in The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they've confirmed, yes, there is a, this guy is a cloning engineer, and then we get more stuff from Gideon later on in the episode where he talks about 
the child's blood is important and he has the potential to restore order to the galaxy. And you go, yeah, okay, this is all leaning towards the idea of maybe you're trying to use your, this kit, this Grogu's blood to clone the Emperor. Um, yeah. We did also see that, you know, the thing in the jar that was um, Snoke-like. Um, Snoke-esque. Snoke-esque, if you like. And the other thing that the Doctor confirms, again, in this same scene, is that the it's not... Because my original uh, theory on that whole thing was that it was the Dark Troopers, and they were trying yeah. to create Force-sensitive um, troops. But he then confirms that, at this point, the Dark Troopers aren't troopers anymore. They're droids. Yeah. Which is kind of, it's a reverse of what they were in the, in the original. So originally... Dark Troopers came from a, uh, a series of video games, uh, Dark Forces, um, and then which became the Jedi Knight series with Karl Katarn. Um, mm. And originally it was the other way around. They started off as droids and then became troopers that were like oriented. Right. Um, this time around, he said, right, we take we started off with, you know, they were troopers. And then we, we removed, he said, we removed the, the last piece of, um, what was it, weakness out of them by making them droids. Right. So, which is interesting. They've just gone the opposite way. But I think it really it's just a case of it allows them to get their asses kicked and, and you know, for the stuff that it happens take, later on. Yeah, it takes out a lot of the sort of questionability there because yeah. in, in a show where you are starting to address the humanity of war and yeah. you are starting to take the helmets off the guys and make them heroes and uh, not even make them heroes, make them civilians and even victims having that universe you're now going to start to be in a position where you're like i don't know if i feel comfortable just shooting these random guys in the white armor anymore or the white uniforms anymore yeah yeah you know it does make you start to question that from a from our perspective because yeah, so it's, go, a, it's a good way of getting around that yeah um and also they are an interesting intimidating um villain and when we get into the fight sequences so we then you know get straight into the the assault and they have this great sequence where they they basically fake their way into docking with the um light cruiser i love that um the design of the light cruiser with the um tie fighter um like launching bay yeah that's really cool um yeah that's, that's really cool very very cool like um, and they're sort of like retconning a lot of stuff as well i mean i don't actually i don't know this is probably in one of the i've got i in fact i'm looking at it right here on my bottom shelf there's a star wars uh a book about like the vehicles of the original trilogy in like cutaway yeah. diagrams and it's one of my favorite books i've ever got i got it when i was a kid um but i'd be interested to see more of those now yeah because yeah, it might be addressing like you say like the light cruiser with the the access hatch for uh, tie fights to come in and out and stuff like that yeah and i know like those light cruisers and and that design has been used i know in a lot of like the newer stuff so i think i've seen them that may have even been in rogue one um i mm. know they're definitely in star wars squadrons because i have blown up my fair share of them okay um, <laughs> um you again that same design but yeah this is really cool and then again looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff and there is a um making of season two that disney had just put out um which is yeah. about an hour long which is pretty cool um but they they made that light cruiser as a model it's like a five foot long model yeah and filmed it rather than doing it in cgi i'm like that's great that's so the like, bigotures that they used in yeah, lord of the rings exactly but it, it takes it right the way back to that original 1977 building just mm -hmm. shooting models that's all they were doing well they did the same with the razor crest didn't they like yeah razor crest uh, was a model yeah 
and oh, a lot of the Thai fighters that we've seen. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Um, that was I was going to buy that as a Lego set. I was going to treat myself for Christmas. What? Now you're not. Uh, and now I'm like, and I held off for too long, and it's now not available because it went out of season. Well, I just, I just feel sorry for all the kids who got it for Christmas and just having just seen it got blown up. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, add to the play function, they can blow it up and make something else. No, you just you just empty all the bags and you, you're done. That's it. <laughs> you built it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but then we get this great. So we get this action sequences going on where the um, the. Boba Fett comes out and is like shooting at them to try and make it look like they're being chased. He then chuffs off for the whole rest of the episode. And yep. we end up in this scenario where it's the the um the fire team consisting of Bogotan, uh Fennec, uh Karadun, and then I can't remember the name of the other Mandalorian lady. No, um no. but those four like, Sasha Banks. So yeah, the Sasha Banks' character, um, basically going off and causing a distraction while Dean goes and gets the kid. Um, yeah. And I think you've said is you've come across a, a tweet about this before, but people have pointed out and said that this is like a another version of the End Game, um, all all the ladies getting together, uh, all the female yeah. characters getting together scene, and arguably this is a better version of that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree, but not in a yeah. shitty way. I just like, yeah, like it's less overt. Yeah, it's just it feels now because, like, because it doesn't have. Um, it doesn't have that sort of circumstance where it's like they're all landing within seconds of one another. Yeah, it feels it's, a lot. It feels more less organic. forced. Yeah, it feels like I didn't realize it was happening until it was happening, and I go, "Oh shit, oh this is yeah. cool." And then like they're already mid, and they we get them some great moments with that team. Then look, just kicking ass together. Like we get the um, there's a pit where they're going over one of these inexplicable chasms that seems to be in the middle of every shit, no matter what size it is. Um, and the two Mandalorians like jump off using their jetpacks and then come up, do it like a pincer movement from behind, yeah. and take out the rest of the stormtroopers. And it's like, oh, that's that's sick. Like they're all working together as a team. They've all got their individual styles. At one point, Cara and Cara Dunes, um, blaster gets stuck, so she just twats a guy for a yard on the head. She uses it like a baseball bat and just smacks the guy. <laughs> because because what was it? Massive. Um, massive and because... scary. She is massive yeah. and scary, Tom. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was that. that was that was brilliant. Like yeah. um, they're, all, they're all covering each other. They're not, but no one makes a big deal out of it. It just it just happens. It just is what it is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's great. Um, meanwhile, Din's like try. He, he then get the fight um, with him versus the uh, Dark Trooper. Yeah, which is full on. Well, <laughs> so I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call it a fight. Well, he, well, I mean, he gets there in the end, but fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sort of lucks his way into a victory. Yeah, by, but it's uh, great watching like pasted for. But it is good to see because it's like an adaptive sort of situation. Like he has to think around it and he has to sort of try and work it out. And you're like, ah, of course that's how it's going to end. Yeah, but it's like as we're watching it, we're just going like, right, well, we as the audience, we know all the different tricks he has. So it's like, right, we've got, try the flamethrower. Try the flamethrower, Din. He tries the flamethrower. It doesn't work. Shit. Uh, uh, all right. Try the missiles. <laughs> try the try the whistling birds. Do the whistling birds. Like, no, that just pissed him off. Ah, oh, fuck. Uh, okay. Um, the spear. Get him with the spear. <laughs> Eventually he gets there. But yeah, I just love this thing. And they are just these, they're kind of like Star Wars Terminators. Yeah. 
they just look kind of a little bit like a um like a stormtrooper, a little bit like a terminator and just the idea they are just these automata like the bit where they just pins him up against the wall and just he's just smacking his helmet oh god and just create it's creating a dent in the side of the ship but not in this helmet because it's like an, an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object in this beskar armor that he's got yeah on. <laughs> exactly like, like something's got to give yeah. what's going to give the ship the ship's going to give yeah exactly that shoddy imperial workmanship yeah <laughs> well it's because most of their workforce were killed yeah, exactly. You, you terrorists. Twice. That's the other thing. They, they call them terrorists. They keep mentioning they call them terrorists, the rebels. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But it, so, <clears throat> go, on. go on. But it is like an interesting sort of play because it does, um, again, demonstrate the ferocity of the dark troopers. And you're like, okay, this is, this is really interesting because we've actually, like, historically we've not really we've only ever seen the droids as like bumbling idiots and yeah, like, exactly yeah like the super droids or whatever they were called like the bigger guys were always like a threatening presence yeah. but they were always just lightsaber fodder but then in this you're like oh shit these guys are fucking serious yeah i tell you what i think i feel like this series like they've continued <laughs> they make stormtroopers continue to look like absolute bumbling idiots Mm-hmm. Um, who can just like I think it was in that um, in episode seven. There's a point where Cara Dune just comes down, and knocks two of their heads together, and they they're knocked out immediately. I'm yeah. just like, well, what is the point of their armor then? <laughs> I, yeah, I still maintain the fact that their armor is um, a uniform. It's yeah. not armor. Um, but anyway, yeah. So for every time they're they're making the stormtroopers look more and more crap, they're making droids look better because if you think about it, you know, they, this series the dark troopers have become this force to be reckoned with. And then mm. in series one, we had um, IG-11. Yeah. Who we always thought, well, it's just a broom. What's that going to do? Well, exactly. And then he came, and, and then, then like... An was, absolute wrecking machine. Yeah, this time last year, he was, he was riding into and, like, cleared out an entire city's worth of stormtroopers because he can spin, like... Because, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. He can spin 360 degrees at all times. And, so, no, yeah, of course yeah. he'd be great in a fight. Yeah, and the, yeah, exactly. So, like... They are rehabilitating droids and making us, you know, they're undoing a lot of the damage from the prequels where their droids were literally just cannon fodder for Jedi to just slice through. Um, yeah. And now they're becoming much more formidable. Um, although they do kind of revert to tie back at the end of this episode, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's, I, yeah, a lot of these things are done in, in with intelligent design. Yeah. Because what we're seeing is, it's given us more reason for Din to hate droids and be fearful of droids from what we've yeah. seen before to what we're seeing now. Is that like, you're like, he's like, ah, oh. it, it's like the line from Indiana Jones where he's like, oh, had to be, had to be droids. Droids, always droids. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's just um, being able to pull on that thread yeah, and show that he's not always going to be the most rational fighter mm. when he's going up against droids because of his past. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and again, they, it's another thing that I think they're setting them up for for the future, the um, Dark Troopers. Um, I feel like they're going to definitely be like a a force we reckon with in the other series, particularly in like the, um, Rangers of the New Republic. Um, because we, we've sort of seen demonstrated, like this guy got away with it because he had Beskar, but if like a group of, you know, Rangers or Kara and like some 
X-wing pilots or ever came up against one of these, it would be trouble. Like, how would they actually do anything against it? Um, this guy was lucky because he had a Beskar spear. What have you? Got? Yeah. Fuck all. Well, he had a Beskar so, helmet and spear. Exactly. So, like, next time they turn up, they could they could quite easily be like the big bad for a series um, in their own right. And I think they've said that they've laid the groundwork for that quite well. I think. Yeah, I think there's a lot of effective ground well this is something that i'll get to when we're sort of talking a little bit more in the wrap-up yeah but um in fact i'll leave it for the wrap-up i won't yeah. get into it now but moving thing... into sort of yeah gone saying about the next sort of bit where he just goes straight into the cell and immediately gideon's there with the dark saber yeah. and grogu yeah. and then starts monologuing you sly dog you got me monologuing yeah <laughs> but he he does it so well though i can watch you and carl esposito monologue all day oh god yeah of course it's so good it's just like look friendly word of advice assume i know everything <laughs> yeah yeah i know i know you've fired all your missiles so you've got nothing left there i know you've got bo katan i know she's probably killed everyone on the bridge but i'm not there i'm here i was like oh, yeah. shit like yeah fuck, he has got it all sorted out, sorted out hasn't he um and yeah that's a great scene great conversation did you buy Gideon's ploy, basically? Where yeah, he was... did a fuck. Exactly, yeah. It's <laughs> like, look, take the child. I've got everything I need out of him, and then you can go on your way. Um, and yeah, obviously, that was just a fake out for them to have this scrap. Um, I d- the scrap was good. It just, I again, I feel like I built it up too much in my head as being a bigger... Yeah. I think part um, of it is because of Pedro Pascal. Like I was thinking, the Mountain and the Viper. Right. Do you know what I mean? I was I was thinking he's going to use some of those sweet sweet spear skills. Fuck! I didn't even make that connection. To be I mean, honest, he, he does have a little bit, but there's a bit where the guy flips the um, like he kicks the back of it and it flips around. Um, but the, the point is that he never takes the helmet off, so that probably wasn't Pedro performing that. But we know from scenes that because famously he didn't wear a helmet in Game of Thrones. Much to, yeah. which is why he wasn't yeah. I would say almost infamously, infamously should have he didn't wear a helmet um, so we know for a fact that Pedro himself can do some of that stuff can do yeah. some of that like that um, spear you know work so I was expecting there to be a fight between him and Gideon where his helmet was off and it would be a more prolonged fight what we actually yeah. ended up getting was like a bit of a scuffle in the corridor and it was tense and it was like full on but it didn't it wasn't. It didn't go on for that long. Um, no, but it did make it very clear that you know, despite the fact this guy's got a lightsaber, Din is going to beat him. Yeah, and it does make sense. Like much as I was like, I wanted a longer fight. It actually wouldn't have made a lot of sense for there to be a longer fight because Gideon is he's a tactician, he's a strategist. Um, yeah. He's a, he's you know almost twice uh, Din's age as well for a start. Um, and he's just, he just, it's pure rage and he just like wails on him with his lightsaber. There's no skill involved. He's mm. just absolutely just like hammering at him um, as much as he can. And yeah, once he, he's sort of blindsided by it a little bit just because of the f- sheer ferocity of it. But once he gains his composure, Din's quite easily able to um, to disarm him uh, yeah. and take it. And again, they don't, they don't kill him. They make a big point. Kara says this at the very beginning, we don't kill him because he's got a lot of intel that's going to be really important to the new republic Mm. and i think that was quite effective because there was a point when you know everybody's sort of a bit mismatched yeah 
because Bo-Katan's like, no, we need to defeat him so I can take the dark saber. Yeah, and well, oh, well, she doesn't really say that. Well, but... I think that's the thing. She's she's too vague. She's because no one. Yeah, he's mine. No one, anyone kill him. That's, she didn't, it didn't say no one defeat him. She should have made herself clear. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so they, it's her own fault. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, you can't split hairs over some sort of prophecy. Yeah. You know, a prophecy is there to be very clear. Yeah, and it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, let's get into that. So the Darksaber, this is what naturally leads on after that fight. We then get the scene on the bridge with Bo-Katan, Din, and um, Moff Gideon talking about the Darksaber. Yeah. And she asked, you know, what happened? And he goes, yeah, well, he defeated me in combat, so now it's his. And so, yeah. and this is the thing that we talked about when we first brought up the Darksaber, and I think we must have talked about it in the previous episodes of Mando, what the whole lineage of it all is. That gets laid out, and it says, you know, whoever holds it can rule Mandalore or has the throne of Mandalore, but it must yeah. be one in combat. Um, because I always, I keep missing the whole, it needs to be one in contact, uh, like combat thing. I'm almost like, oh, it's just, you know, whoever wields it. Yeah, it does. But then there is there is some already it's, it's raised what people have like pointed a lot of people are pointing out going, ah, um fucking um plot Push hole. Plot hole. Yeah, that that's exactly what I was trying to do. <laughs> plot hole. Because Bo Katan, when she first got the Dark Saber, she was given it by right. Sabine. Sabine herself didn't really win it in combat, although she did she defeated this guy who previously had it, Gar Saxon, who was one of the um, one of the Mandalorians who sided with the Empire, which is a whole other thing we could get into, um, because the question remains: How is it the Imperial computer scanned Din's face and let him access the computer? Right. Because, and we know he was picked up by Death Watch, who at one point affiliated themselves with the Empire. So was Din part of the Imperial Mandalorians? Okay. There's loads of stuff that could go into that. Anyway, with Dark Saber. So the Dark Saber, yeah, she got handed Quick it. Quick question: by... Did you just drop the microphone? No, I didn't. I just I I hit the microphone. Okay. So we've um, spoken about your anger before. No. Yeah. Stop taking it out on electronic the, objects. The equipment. Yeah. Yeah. The goods. Um, the goods. Um. But no, yeah, the Dark Saber. She was handed it by Sabine. So everyone's mm. going, well, why was it okay for her to get handed it last time and now she won't take it from Din? That's a plot hole. And I'm just like, did we not learn anything from the way they handled the whole taking the helmet off thing? Because everyone was on about that being a plot hole. After season one, they were like, oh, Mandalorians can't take the helmet off. But in the Clone Wars, they did. Eh. And then immediately, as soon as Bo-Katan turns up, they have that conversation about, oh, you're one of those. Yeah. And that they clear up what was conceived by, uh, by a lot of people as a plot hole in the space of one conversation it's done it's dealt with i'm just like do you have we learned nothing like these guys know what they're doing like yeah. the, the guy like dave filoni was the, the yeah the executive producer on rebels and he knows full well that sabine just gave her the dark saber he directed that <laughs> he wrote that he knows that of course he knows yeah. that you think he doesn't know that and you think, like obviously he knows that and he will address it like the, the most obvious sort of answer to the whole thing is that she obviously lost the Darksaber to presumably Gideon and all of Mandalore. So I feel like it's going to be a case of people will say, well, that's because you never had the right to wield it in the first place because you were just given it. Right. 
And that might be part of part of why she goes, look, no, I can't accept it again. Because last time I did that, everyone disputed my claim and they said that was the reason why I lost. Um, and it's like Gideon says, that what's powerful isn't the sword itself, it's the story. Yeah. So if you don't have the story, then you can't do what you want what you need to do. And mm. she's learned she's learned that lesson the hard way. I feel like that's something they might show us in season three. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that's where I was kind of... One of the things that I was going to talk about with season three is that where are we going with this? Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I think from where they leave it off, I think it's it's the Darksaber and Mandalore. And that whole scenario is, is the next logical step um, for them to take it. I think they, there's mm. been a... You know, from instead of having the, the you know the um the MacGuffin of seasons one and two has been Grogu and getting and then you know we first of all finding him and looking after him, then we got given the mission by the armorer to re- reunite him with the Jedi. We, that's what we've done. We've done that now. But in the process, you've also come across this weapon, which has got all this prophecy attached to it. Not only that, Din has started to question his own you know, code that he holds to and started to take the helmet off and started to really think about what it means to be a Mandalorian. He's now hooked up with yeah. this, the Duchess of Mandalore, who's got, a, you know, who knows everything about it. And she's going to want to have him with her. Yeah. And he's, and he's going to be looking for a new mission. I think that's where we're going. I think that's what they're going to be getting into in season three. Okay. Which is cool. Again, it's the Mandalorian. It's got nothing to do with the Jedi. It's about a planet and the history of it and, yeah. who has the right to rule and some Game of Thrones shit, which is what people yeah. were expecting from this series right at the very beginning. Fucking right, yeah. Just crack on with it. Like, crack yeah. on as is, you know? Yeah, it was... If I really whole... want to see more, and we've got to wait a big, long time. Yeah, it's all right, because we'll be inundated with it. <laughs> it won't be too long. We'll be riddled with Star Wars on Disney yeah. Plus in 20... Absolutely. Leading into 2022. Yeah. So... There's the elephant in the room, and we still haven't said it. And now I think is the time where we need to talk about it. Yeah, I think so. So we get the the scene about the discussion of the the dart saber and who gets it and what it all means is happening on this bridge. And then it turns out the dart troopers are coming back because although yeah. Din blew them out an airlock, they obviously have thrusters and just came back. Which again, lead, there are so many possibilities with those things because if you think about it. If they can survive in space, you could just launch them by missiles at a ship. Well, that's something that I was going to talk about. Is in that, space so there's combat, a, they could be. There's, um, there's a book series I've been reading recently um, called <laughs> Red Rising, and there's a thing that they do in that that's called the Iron Rain. Yeah, where they fire um, uh, troops. They yeah. they take troops and they fire them. Um, in sort of essentially as torpedoes at other ships oh. and sort of use them to smash their way into other vessels to sort of invade. And they're, they're, it's like it's amazingly well described because they're like, they um, say about how they're like, this is so the, the agonizing loudness of being fired before they just go into this vacuous nothing and you go, oh, this is really good. <laughs> Yeah, and them just being like absolutely like just being blasted into like an enemy ship, and that's it. And then they're like, "Oh fuck, okay." And then they just go smash their way in and start to fight. And that's what I was going to say is like, 
I think we'll be hopefully getting moments like that where they're talking about like using them as weapons and like they're like an invasive weapon type. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting. But like for the purposes of this episode, though, it just they all come back um, and we just get this tent standoff where it's like, right, well, we're all just confined to one space. It's not like we can divide and conquer or anything. They're all coming for us. Yeah. And yeah, yeah again, Giancarlo starts monologuing. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Um, we're blocked in there you know we close the blast doors and they get to the blast doors and start pummeling at them like they were with din's helmet and it's like oh shit <laughs> and giancarlo again even like spells out it goes i think what's going to happen here is that you're going to have a valiant last stand and then everyone will die yeah and he was like and everyone in this room will everyone be dead, in this room will be dead for the except for me and the child and yeah and everyone's like and having seen what one of them can do earlier, I get, there was one line where I felt like that was a bit much, where he goes, you could barely make it against one of them. How are you going to do against a whole platoon? It's like, we know. Like, you didn't need to tell us that. We get it. Like, didn't need to spell it out. No, it would be like, the monologuing's great, but sometimes you don't need to just, you don't need to spoon feed it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we get, oh, great. One X-Wing. Yeah. So what was your reaction when that first happened? And you hear the sound. At and you that see point, it. I was like, huh? huh? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's going to be Filoni's character, Wolf. Yeah. Or the other guy. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, actually, maybe not. And then I was like, oh, fuck, it's probably, it's going to be the Jedi. Yeah. It's going to be. Again, in the in the previously on bit at the very beginning, they show us the. Grogu on the scene stone, sort of reaching out with the force. So I like they're definitely going to tie that up at some point in this episode. Mm -hmm. I absolutely did not expect what I got, even to the point when I first saw the lightsaber fire. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, cool! It's going to be Ezra." And then I saw that it was a green lightsaber, and even then, I was like, "Does Ezra have a green lightsaber?" And, and then, does. like, there was this point when way, I was he like, does have a green lightsaber?" So it, it, it could have been, yeah. Okay, and there's this point I was describing it to you where I sort of like I was sat in my office chair and then I sat on my sofa. I moved over to my sofa so I could look at the TV head on. And then I shuffled myself a little bit more in the middle to see what was to sort of really focus on it. And then I stood up and then I stood up with my hands on my head. And then I was like, holy fuck, it's Luke fucking Skywalker. Yeah. They're doing Luke. Yeah, how are they gonna fucking pull this off? And they did, and they didn't, and then they didn't. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, first of all, straight away, I've got to say, unfortunately, I was spoiled. Yeah, I was spoiled, which is really upsetting. Um, basically, uh, what blew my mind, and that's the thing. Like, I'm so gutted for you. Yeah, I just, it was really it was one of those really annoying things. All it was was it was the Friday. It was my last Friday before going off um, work for Christmas period. So I had stuff that I needed to do. So I had to just mm. crack on and, and work. Um, and I was like, right, lunchtime or whatever. I'll watch Mandalorian because I know it's the finale. Um, and then at some point during the work, you know, when I was at the office, I absentmindedly flicking through YouTube as you do, and I just saw the a thumbnail which was like a bloke in a, in a black robe and a green lightsaber and then just the the like i read part of what the, the title of the video was and it was just 
something something Luke Skywalker something something Dark Troopers and then I flipped past it and I was just like oh man oh fuck I hope that's not true I hope that's like it I hope that's like a fan film or something because if that's what happens I'm gonna be fucking gutted and then as the episode was going on like when the Dark Troopers got blasted out the airlock I was like oh okay well maybe that maybe that wasn't that thing I saw earlier wasn't true then Mm. as soon as they came back I was like nah it's gonna be Luke isn't it and then the the X-Wing came in and was like "Ah, yeah it's Luke and it's like it wasn't oh, as exciting. Like, it was still exciting, and like watch the the excitement, like the way they did the all the the multiple parts of the reveal to like the the slow, like the way the music was building up, and you saw like the just the cloaked figure walking down the hallway, and we we're seeing it through yeah. the security camera footage. And there's that bit where you just see you don't even know what color the lightsaber is. You can just see someone in a black cloak just wiping yeah. people out on the security camera while Grogu's like putting his hand up against the screen. It's like oh my god this is like the, the way they did like a four-part reveal to it was amazing and it was so yeah. well done um and i loved it i just wish i hadn't known if i hadn't known it would have been so much better oh, but, yeah. mate. and it's yeah it, and that's the it thing is. like knowing you're as big a star wars fan as i am yeah like i would have been absolutely heartbroken to have learned that in that yeah. way it's like it's not like i knew exactly what was going to happen but i lo- i knew enough and once you've seen that li- you've got that little bit in the back of your head going i think luke's gonna turn up and then when yeah. it starts to fold out like that you go oh yeah fuck luke's turning up it just yeah. isn't the same oh my god luke's turning up <laughs> when he... yeah because um, I, I just i was swearing aloud very very yeah. loudly yeah you know my girlfriend's still doing in the that. other I... room on a call to like on a work call yeah and Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And Shit. I, and I, to be honest, I still had them just because of how good the action was. Like the way they staged it and the way, it, like how he was just coming in and absolutely wrecking shot um, yeah. with his hood up the whole time. Some amazing like sequences of him just sort of going from using the force to push things out of the way to, you know, slamming things up against the wall, cutting guys' heads off. It was like it, the, the fighting style felt very like samurai, very like, you know, mm-hmm sharp long swings of the sword but like not it was never like there was no unnecessary flourishes it felt yeah. very luke and it was just it was just great to see it was just really fucking cool to see luke skywalker in his prime with the green lightsaber just absolutely wrecking it um even up to the point where they open the the doors and it's just him stood in the doorway with all yeah. the smoke and the green lightsaber I mean, it's it's similar. There's a lot of similarities between that and Rogue One. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. It's like like father, like son. Look at him just like wrecking shit going down the yeah. corridor. And like even like there is a little element of like the dark side in Luke as well that we remember. I remember seeing. Uh, there's the one that always gets talked about at the beginning of um, Return of the Jedi, where he chokes out the Gamorrean guards, and you yeah. see a little bit of that in this as well because the final Dark Trooper he doesn't get him with a lightsaber. Would have been easy for him to do that. Instead, he crushes him. Like, there's yeah. this force crush thing where you just like the whole thing just caves in on itself, which is a very dark side sort of move. And it's like, oh shit, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, but- that's one of the things that I love. One of the reasons that Luke's such a great character is because they've always explored that darkness within him. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, even to the point in Jedi, they're like, I can feel the darkness in you. I can feel that. And it's, it's about his the, the the redemptive quest in there, but it's about him still being able to tap into that, but be able to pull back when necessary. Yeah, yeah. Um, is having that balance with himself, and then yeah, I think it's just it's such a shame that they didn't pull off the the actual technology of his face 
particularly well. Yeah. Um, because we yeah we get all that that amazing stuff leading up to it, and then we finally he steps into the into the um, onto the bridge with his hood up, puts his lightsaber away, and then takes the hood down, and it's this digitally de-aged version of Mark Hamill, um, and it just doesn't look right. It just doesn't look right. It's just it's very you get uncanny valley. He just he looks sort of dead behind the eyes, and it's just not right is it it's no unfortunately not like and i want it to be like i was just willing it to be better yeah and it's and it's like and again like it means that his dialogue is very limited and when he does talk it looks even weirder and it just Mm. seems wrong and it just doesn't doesn't it's really distracting and it's a shame because then the other sort of half of that scene what's happening now is you know din is giving the child over to luke and he yeah. sort of, and he has to give his permission. He gets to take, he takes the helmet off, and they have this really emotional like thing between Pedro Pascal and the puppet, basically. But the whole time, you're just distracted by this weird like cartoon Luke Skywalker in the other corner of the room. Mm. And like, every time they cut back to him, and or he speaks, and it's just like something ain't right. You you kind of sound like you, but you don't really look like you. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's like, I think this is like a prime example of the uncanny valley Mm. absolutely because the uncanny valley for those that aren't familiar is is a concept of how people uh feel very uncomfortable around something that looks quite realistic but doesn't quite look perfect enough so like when you see something say when we were saying about toy story in our soul review um you know, when you look at the humans in that, you're very aware that they're visual effects and they're computer-generated humans. And then you look at other things and you sort of, you're like, like this. And they're so close to it. They're so close to being real, but there's something slightly off, which actually causes a reaction in your brain. It causes a strange, like, almost like a fear response. Yeah. Because your body is like, I don't know what that is, and it's making me uncomfortable, which is why people tend to get a very visceral reaction with stuff like this uh, and the stuff they've done in Rogue One. Um, and I would admit it, I'm not one of, like, it affects different people more than others. I'm not one of those people it affects particularly strongly. But yeah. even with this, I was really feeling it. And I was yeah. a bit like, I was, it was just like... It's just really distracting. It's just really... Yeah. so fucking close, like... Yeah, and I just feel there are ways they could have done it better. Like I feel like because again, they're being very coy about how they went about doing it. Um, mm. Like Mark Hamill was credited at the end of the credits, but there was also a stunt performer credited as the Jedi, who presumably yeah. did all the fight choreography. Um, yeah. But they're saying I think there was Favreau has said in an interview that Mark Hamill was on set, which I was surprised me. I thought from looking at it, it looked to me like they had like digitally mapped. Um, Mark Hamill's face onto another actor because that's what it looked like. Um, that's what they, they, they definitely. I think when they say that Mark Hamill was on set, I think he was on set. I don't think he was acting. I don't think any of that was him. I think that they've they've mapped his face. Mm. They've de-aged. They've mapped his face and de-aged and but put it onto, that, different, on, put onto another performer. Yeah, I think that's like because to me because I'd... he's an older and. Forgive me, Seth, for saying 
a bit schlubbier of a guy now you know no, we are talking like, about this is four years not 30 years i know but like to me like i i don't understand like with with, with the, what they can do with makeup mm-hmm. is incredible like look at look at the bloody like later in, in their post credit scene the fucking big fortuna look at ahsoka yeah. tano for christ's sake look at the stuff that you can do just with make sit him in the makeup chair for two hours and, and the other thing like there are ways around it first of all give him a beard yeah give him a beard and he looks a little bit more like master though i think what they what they should have done from my point of view rather than because what they did was they tried to make him as close to return the jedi luke as they possibly could yeah and they overdid it they over smoothed him out like i've shown you like the comparisons between what mark hamill actually looked like in return of the jedi versus this thing Mm-hmm. and it's like they've like taken out all the definition of his cheekbones and like his face doesn't look right his nose is a different shape that like they've had they've made him look different um but i thought what they should have done is taken you know how he looks at the end of the last jedi his yeah. force projection when he turns up to kylo and he does look younger he looks like 10 years younger he's got a beard and he just looks like jedi master luke skywalker dressed all in black yeah. i think you'd use that as a starting point and de-age from there like that's it. Like just do that. Get him on set. Put some digital dots on his face, and then de-age from there. I think that's what they do with like, um, because again, the ones that what I can't get my head around is that Marvel, when they do this, are really fucking good at it. Yeah, they like, are. Look, look at um fucking um Michael Douglas in Ant Man and Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer. There's a scene at the beginning of Ant Man and the Wasp where it's Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas, and it's Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas from the eighties. Yeah, and I don't question it for a second. And it's because you've got the actors on set, and you've just put some digital dots on their faces, and you've done that's the way you've done it. And I feel like with all the Star Wars stuff, like there's that awful fucking scene with um, young Luke and Leia training in um, Rise of Skywalker, yeah, and they look ridiculous and they look like cartoon characters. And for some, for whatever reason, just like it's Disney, they're they're all owned by Disney. They've got access to all the same technology. Just ring up the guy, the special effects directors who worked on Ant Man, and ask him. And also, guess who directed this episode? Peyton Reed. Peyton fucking Reed, who directed the two Ant Man movies. So he knows how this stuff works. He knows exactly how this stuff works. If anything, he should be the best person to do it. <laughs> Somehow he managed to fuck it up. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> fuck. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally hadn't even thought of that until I said it. Yeah, I didn't want to bring yeah. it up. I was like, oh yeah, fuck. It was because Peyton Reed, like, he's direct again, he did a great job on this episode. I don't want to, yeah, because like like I said, the building of the tension, the action sequences looked amazing, but it's just the way the, the technology let them down. And I just feel that they could have done it in a different way. But there was so this is part of the issue with the whole fan service thing, because a lot of people have accused this of fan service. Um, and part of the okay. issue is that, oh yeah, it was, it absolutely was. But what I like about it is that it's, it was logical for the story. Mm. Um, I mean, we were talking, yeah, about when we talked about Grogu on the scene stone, it's like, well, who's going to come to get him? I'm like, well, logic states that it should be Luke, really. He's like, you know, if Ahsoka says she's not, she doesn't want to train him, everyone's saying Ezra. I'm like, well, it can't be Ezra because he knows less than Ahsoka does. The only person out there that we know is in this time period who could potentially train him is Luke Skywalker, but they're not going to do that because it's a TV show. Yeah. And lo and behold, here he is. Because I don't think, yeah, but I don't, I just, I can't. It's right. Think like, I'm like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the right thing for the story. 
mm-hmm. everything leading up, like the fight sequence was great. It it was the right payoff and the right conclusion or the, it's not a conclusion because we're definitely going to see Grogu again, but the right point to end it on with Grogu for now. But I just wish they'd sorted his fucking face out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just fucking annoying, isn't it? Because you're just yeah. sort of like so close to having this sort of spectacular thing. Yeah. And it is has just been let down by technology. Yeah. And again, it becomes, it means that, and the reason we've left it till this late to talk about it is because it is the main point of conversation that everyone's talking about now is about mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker. Oh my God, Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is brought up the whole debate about The Last Jedi again. Because loads of people are now saying that, oh, this is, this is the Luke that we wanted in The Last Jedi. And this is like Lucasfilm apologizing to the fans and oh, you know, calls for people to say, oh, we should make the, the sequel trilogy non-canon now and just have Favreau and these guys do it and just pretend yeah, those films never happened. Like, shut the fuck up. And this is exactly why I don't want, I, I'm done with the Skywalker story that I wanted to talk more about Din and some of these new characters and fucking Bill Burr's character last week. That's why like these things, those episodes are better for, to me in a way. Mm. Because it's new. It's everyone. It's all new characters. New. Well, that's the thing. I stand by it. Like we need different things. We don't need Skywalkers batting everything with glowing bats. You know. Yeah, exactly. And like it was a great like crowd pleasing moment. But I'm glad that he's done what he needs to do. Served his purpose in the story and is now going off. Yeah, I'm sure that if when they inevitably bring bring Grogu back. He'll probably be in that, and they would learn their lesson from it, hopefully. Well, yeah, I mean, do... th- there are different ways I can do it. So, I, I, even as it was happening, I was going, "Is it going to be Sebastian Stan?" Like the whole way, I was like, "Is that Sebastian Stan under that hood?" Because that's been the rumor or like a, a fan casting thing that's gone on for a while now. Yeah, it's the idea of Sebastian Stan. If you you know the photoshops, he has a very similar sort of facial structure to a young Mark Hamill, and they're like, well, we know Sebastian Stan's doing. Falcon and the Winter Soldier for them. Yeah. It would make sense. And you go, actually, that could be a, way, a good way around it. Um, so I was half expecting, even when you saw like the bottom half of his face and like, he was about to take the hood off, I was like, I wonder if it's Sebastian. No, it's not. I was like, fuck. And like, yeah. you could have just, if you just like perched the hood on top of his head, like old, like Obi-Wan, like Obi-Wan circa A New Hope, give him a beard again, like Obi-Wan. And put a couple of dots on his cheekbones to like take away a few of the wrinkles from Mark's face. That's it. Mm. That's it. But instead, they decided to don't. No, we're going to spend all the time and effort to try and re- you know replace his entire face to make him look as you know exactly like he did in Return of the Jedi. What about his clothes? He's going to wear exactly what he wore in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, because that's what the fans want. But I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think that that's it. I don't think it's kowtowing to the toxic fandom. Mm. I but think they, they're doing. Are... I think they're doing like you said, the logical thing yeah, that works in the right place. But they've been let down by the technology. Yeah, but the the problem is that although yeah, I I do agree with you. I don't think that is their intention. People are reading it as that, and when I say well, yeah, people, but people I mean can read everything. The fans, the fans who themselves, who are the to- toxic fans who hated the Last Jedi and gave you know Ryan Johnson death threats and all this shit, they are like crying, watching Luke go, you know wreck shit, and like this is all I ever wanted is my childhood hero. Thank you, thank you, um, John Favreau. You've you fucking you've done everything I ever asked for, and like they think of it as being something th- like they've had some sort of 
input into it it's like yeah of course they are but that's that's the 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 internet's way now isn't it you know everybody's you know somebody's fake news is somebody's victory you know and when they you know you and i were talking pre-recording about like charlie brooker's yeah (laughs) you know 2020 is dead uh or death of 2020 or whatever it's called you know with they're, they're throwing up and satirizing like the fake news stuff in the the way that people are like co-opting news to suit their own agenda that's exactly what's happening here yeah true. it's just you you i'd like and i know this isn't a personal attack in any way but it seems to be that like you're caught in that something you've been caught in that algorithm somewhere a little bit like I'm because just, i don't so I, i've, seen I've never seen any of that stuff no. like i've literally when you you and i you whatsapped me that thing about like uh people being really cross that Bo-Katan has breasts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was, there was something every week um, and this less so. But I, the, the one thing that's consistent about, you know, what people are talking about is the, I think everyone agrees that the, the CGI wasn't very good on Luke. But then yeah. there's also this, there is this wider conversation going on about whether this is like a refugiation of The Last Jedi. Oh, no. Um, absolutely which, of course, not. Of course like, it fucking isn't. You idiot. Of course it's not, <laughs> and I think we should immediately put that to bed because yeah. otherwise, of course, we're not. giving airtime to people that don't deserve. No, this is uh, like to me. This is like Luke Skywalker. This is in fitting with the canon, the new canon that Disney have yeah. put together. Because this, this is the Luke Skywalker that is the myth, the legend that Ray talks about at the very beginning of Force Awakens. Um, and again, there's a there's a canon book that I remember reading. Um, or I think I've done the audio book, which is called The Legends of Luke Skywalker. Right. And it's literally um, like it's an um, anthology series where it's all these like all the ki- like a bunch of kids on their way to somewhere and they're all telling stories about the story that I heard about Luke Skywalker or you know, oh, cool. a, a friend of a friend, you know, someone heard this story and it's about Luke going to these different planets and discovering different ways the force works in, in you know, mysterious ways on different planets um, and coming in to save the day, or that, like, I don't know if it was Luke Skywalker, but this guy turned up and he had an R2 unit with him. All these, like, these, like, urban legends around this, this, this mysterious man who was just wandering the desert, one, you know, wandering the galaxy, writing yeah. wrongs. And then seeing Luke turn up at the end of this, it's like, this could have been one of those stories. Yeah. This could have, like, Fennec could have been telling this story in 10 years' time about there was this, yeah, they, we were trapped and there were all these dark troops coming for us and this guy turned up. Yeah, because she doesn't know who he's Luke Skywalker. No, I, I, that's the other question. It's like, do any of them know who that is? Like, does do you think Kara knows who that is? Well, yeah, exactly. I think so, if, she, I mean, if anyone does, she does. Yeah. Um, but it's fucking Din didn't even know who Din, Jedi were. Din had never even heard of Jedi. Yeah. Um, but not even that. Like, I, I feel like at this point. It, in galactic like five years ago the empire fell and like a guy called luke skywalker was largely responsible for it was he not being yeah. fairly well known well that's the thing because there's um uh like a lot of the expanded you know or like the modern sort of legacy content they talk about um uh like them being used as propaganda and stuff don't they and they say about like layers legacy is that it's released via imperial propaganda channels yeah, that, that happens the yeah. daughter of vader and... yeah exactly I don't, I don't know if that ever happens to luke does anyone ever know that luke was vader's son yeah um that's an interesting point i don't know yeah um but like i say that 
what they've done with Luke in this episode is in keeping with that part of his mythology. And yet it means he does change and he's a different bloke by the time he gets to the last Jedi. But guess what? That's 30 years later. Of course he is. Yeah. Um, but it's in no way is it a, you know, fuck you, last Jedi. It's not that. No, of course I'm just fucking It's just, not. it's the right, it's the logical step. How they choose to do it going forward, I don't know. Um, I feel like, yeah, like I say, Grogu has to come back because, again, some people have said, right, well, if he's with Luke, does that mean that Grogu is one of the younglings, one, you know, one of the trainees that Kylo kills at the temple? Yeah. And it's like, no, surely not. Like, that can't be, the, like, this isn't the last time we've seen Grogu. Absolutely not. No. So he has to see Din again. Listen, I've been gifted three bits of Grogu merch this Christmas. So exactly. <laughs> he better not be out of. Yeah. But if, you know, given that's the case, like you say, from a financial point of view, Grogu is the runaway success. So I feel like that's what I would applaud them for because what they've clearly done for now, at least, is to write him out of the show. Yeah. Um, And I feel like the creatives at Disney, you know, obviously Favreau and Filoni have decided that's where they were always planning on going. At the end of season two, this is where we're left. But I feel like if it had been a more controlling, you know, Warner Brothers style situation, yeah. they would have said, "No, you can't do that. Grogu has to be in it forever." But Baby Yoda merch is selling off the charts. You have to keep him in it. Yeah, and they would have had to rewrite it just to please them, please the the money men. You know, do you know what I mean? But yeah. they haven't done that. They've done the logical. They they've made that that story has been has come to its logical conclusion. They couldn't have kept it going any longer. And and that's the thing. Like they, there are things that they can continue to do, but. I don't know if they, they're probably, they're almost certainly not going to write him out totally. No, for the time being, but at the I think same he's, time, he's off for the time being. And now I think it's going to be back, the focus is going to be back on Din and it's going to be a case of what his journey with Grogu has taught him and how he's changed. Because yeah. it, it's a massive difference. You, you know, you look at the guy that we met at the beginning of season one, the, the series one, episode one, you know, going to collect the bounty. I can bring you in warm, I can bring you in cold. And then the last shot we're left with in season two is this broken man with tears in his eyes watching his son walk away. Yeah. And he's the only Mandalorian on that bridge without a helmet on. Yeah. That's the interesting thing. That's the character development that they then need to continue on. After while no living away. person since he became a, whatever they're called. Um, since he... Yeah, became sort of sworn in almost, or became a foundling. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, no one he, else had seen him without up, a helmet on. If he ever meets up with those that sort of sect again, and they ask because they ask the question: Have Have you ever removed your helmet? No. Has it ever been removed for you? No. That's what he used to be able to say. You can't say that anymore. Yeah. So now what? Again, it's it's all the stuff Bill Burr was bringing up. It's like, well, how? Yeah, you can. How far can you bend your beliefs before you aren't you anymore? And yeah, he's, he's exactly. stood there. He stood there with Bo-Katan with the dark saber in his hand, and she wants to go retake Mandalore. Is she going to advise him to go do that? Is she going to fight him for it? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm really excited to see how they're going to do it. Hey, man, mate, fuck, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited. I, I think, like I say, the Grogu has been a great jumping on point for this series and this era of Star Wars and like it served its purpose that storyline in terms of getting Din to where he is now mm-hmm. um, he's definitely going to come back but I don't I think it might even be a whole another season before we see him I think he might just be off with Luke with 
we're done now. He served his purpose um, in terms of what we've what we've achieved with Din, um, mm-hmm. and now it's time to get into the next chapter. Um, speaking of the next chapter, we then also get a reveal of what will probably be the next show that we see um, in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. So post we get this. Yeah, we get the scene with Luke. Um, the music's great. We get the great sort of you know goodbye from uh, from Din to Baby Yoda, and they go off. And the episode ends just as the the doors just close on the on the turbo lift with Luke standing there holding Baby Yoda and um, R two at his side, which is a great image, despite the fact that we've got a bit of a dodgy CGI face. Regardless of that, it's still a really cool image to end the season on. Yeah, but then you realise there's seven minutes worth of credits. <laughs> and you go, yeah, wait that, a minute. <laughs> that got me as well. Yeah. Um, so instead of getting what we usually get in the credits for Mando, which is the concept art, um, we get an actual full scene where we get Boba Fett and we get this establishing shot straight away of Jabba's Palace, which yep. is fucking exciting. Like, what, what was your reaction to that scene anyway? I was just like, Okay. Yeah. Where are we going with this? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like very much like very much on board with it to the point I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm in, I'm sold. I'm happy with this. Yeah. And then yeah, like shit kept happening. I'm like, okay, let's let's keep let's crack on. Yeah. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> um I will say, like, uh, I'm, I love uh, Ming Na Wen. Yeah. And I love having Tamara Morrison in there as well. And I think he's great. And I really want to see where this goes because, you know, I think we are in a position where having a hooded character is going to need somebody to play off of. Yeah. You know, having like a lone gunman go around and having Boba Fett go around on his own. Yeah, it's going to be good that he's going to have Fennec to work off of. And yeah. especially somebody as uh, talented as Ming-Na Wen as well, like can put in the physicality as well as the acting. Yeah, absolutely. We said this when we reviewed that episode with them. Um when those two turn up, I was like, God, I wish we had more of her and more, just more of these, more of this, please, because this is great. Yeah. Um, and turns out that they knew out. exactly what they were doing. Exactly. Um, so, but yeah, we basically get the setup we get is uh, Boba and Fennec turning up at um, what is now Bib Fortuna's palace, which is great. Another yeah. little callback seeing Bib Fortuna, the guy who's like, was Jabba's right hand man. And like, you know, was like, he, um, we got Jedi mind tricked by Luke in Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah. and now he's sat on the throne and has become like really fat and overweight, <laughs> uh, which is a nice touch. Yeah, that is a good touch. I I, th- I was like, I didn't recognize him as Bib Fortuna at first. Yeah, and I was a bit like, huh, okay, cool. And then he just immediately gets dispatched, and you're yeah. like, good. <laughs> so, Boba, I heard you were dead. <laughs> just blows him away. Yeah. Um, and just like the little nice little nods like yeah Fennec gets a great moment where she just uh, frees the slave girl but yeah. that was that was a good moment again it sort of gives you a little bit of an indication of what they might be doing going forward because it's like well they're not evil 
Well, well no. they are. They're, they're like they're, they're nefarious and they're bad guys, but they're not bad guys. But they're know? like neutral <laughs> evil in their yeah, sort of... exactly. Yeah, chaotic evil, whatever. Um, and they've just we've just seen them spend the last two episodes helping a guy get Baby Yoda back. So we know they're not, yeah. they can't. They're not all bad. Um, well, they're, they're they're like honourable mercenaries, aren't they? Yeah, they're not exactly. exactly bad. Yeah, they just do what they need to do because they're mercenaries and bounty hunters. So yeah, um, but I but think yeah, they're the, going to um, probably explore the morality of that a bit. And this seems, I don't know where they're going to go with this. I don't know if this is setting, any, setting anything up other than just a really cool scene. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. Because they, they have essentially just committed a massacre. Yeah, well, they didn't kill everybody in, the, in there, did they? They killed a couple of people. They killed um, everyone, didn't they? No, it wasn't like a massive shootout, though, was it? Like, she didn't kill the, the slave girl. Oh, the, the one survivor. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think yeah, I think they killed everybody. Like... Eh. I don't know. I did, it didn't feel like it was a massively populated room anyway. It wasn't like it was back in Jabba Day where there was literally no. people coming out of the walls. Um, but no, it was like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, but the other like little details, this is what I was talking about, like all the minute details that they pick up on in like Filoni and Favreau because they're massive fans. Um, did you see the thing about Bib Fortuna's um, staff that he was holding? No. So that is something from the original Bib Fortuna um, action figure that you could get back, back in the 80s. He had mm-hmm. that staff, oh, but cool. he, he never had it in the movie. But it's oh. just something just, just the Kenner action figure had. And they replicated yeah. it to make it look as close to the action figure thing as possible. Yeah. And made a prop and then had him holding that. Just again, as a little bit of like fan service nod to thing. That's a really cool touch, actually. Isn't I really, it? I like that. Yeah. Um, and they were said like I've seen like the set stuff. They said they completely recreated that, um, you know, Jabba's Palace set. Even all the little details, like you know, like the little wind chime thing that Leia knocks the head on. Yeah, that's there. Um, like yeah. everything's like meticulously detailed. I love it. It's so good. It yeah, um, it's fucking brilliant. I can't. Guy, I genuinely cannot who, um, wait. Yeah, the guy who plays um, uh, Biff Fortuna as well. That's the guy. He played him in like a little cameo bit in. Um, Phantom Menace. Oh, cool! So there's a bit in Phantom Menace where uh, the yeah. uh, the pod race is about to happen, and that someone whispers in it. Yeah, it's Big Fortuna, a young Big Fortuna whispering in his ear. And it's the same actor they got. They like, put him in makeup. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Boba Fett thing. I think it's not just going to be him sat on a throne and just him ruling. No, God. No. Oh, God, no. I think. I think this called... is going to be like, yeah, him sending a message or doing something. Mm. Like, I think it's going to be like a, you know, we're going to have that that moment's going to be in there, but it's going to be like a cool girls don't look at explosion sort of thing where him and Fennec are walking away whilst they blow it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. I I feel like that might what that might end up being is I feel like you will have sort of the the Godfather Boba like sat on the throne as being like the framing device maybe for each episode. But then we get like a flashback, a story of Boba Fett. Mm. Um, and like I say, well, like we talked about earlier, I think they are going to tell us how he got out of the side of that pit, how he got his ship back. Yeah. Because um, there's so many things you can do with the flashback of the character where he's wearing a mask the whole time. There are so many things you can do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There are so many episodes, yeah, yeah. things you could do without ever having to show an actor's face or anything like that. Um, so they can fill in all those extra like backstory pieces that were missing. But also, they are going to tell some of that story of the the 
what's going on in this timeline because it get again when they announce the series they've made the point of saying set within the timeline of the mandalorian yeah so i feel like again it's going to probably like we'll see you know we only ever saw him turning up to save fennec in the briefest of terms didn't we we saw just his boots in season one and then he just yeah. turns up with her with you know electric guts or whatever i feel like we'll get that whole story will be filled in hopefully how yeah. he sort of rescued her why he rescued her why he nursed her back to health all that sort of stuff like why did he do that um yeah and we'll see that as an episode or as a you know as a scene or two um yeah and that's what like, that that's one thing like of all the things in star wars the one thing that's like a um is like really confusing my sort of suspension of disbelief is Phoenix electric guts yeah I, I, I like, want to know how he was able to put that together um, in a cave with a box of scraps, Tony Stark style. Well, not not even that, because I'm I'm presuming he probably puts her in a spaceship and then puts her in maybe puts her in carbonite and does something, and somebody else does that. But I want to know how it works because there's a lot of other shit in there <laughs> that's not like replacing a hand, yeah, you know, I, yeah, or a leg, and it's like guts. Yeah, it's the. The actual, how does that work? Because it all looks it like work? levers and actuators and stuff. Exactly. Like it's easy. Like because they've done it in Star Wars before, where you replace a limb, and that makes sense. I mean, we can yeah. do that now. <laughs> you know what I mean, we you yeah. can get a, a, a prosthetic limb now, but you can't get a prosthetic stomach, can you? Like no. you can't. Like, like, well, just, well, how know. does that even work? Where does it all go? Is she is she robotic from the waist down? Is she like a robot sandwich? Is she, <laughs> you know, is she human robot human and like. Yeah. Where does so, one start and one finish? And yeah, I, I like, have how all does the same this questions. how does this all come together? Yeah, I have all the same questions. I want to know how he did it, like because that, that feels like cutting edge medical technology for Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? Like, how did you do that in Tatooine? On like, do you know what I mean? On, in the middle of nowhere, yeah. um, you must have taken it somewhere or done something with her. Like, again, does that mean that he had the ship to begin with? If he yeah. had the ship, why didn't he use the ship to take his armor back? I just it raises so many questions. Um, but hopefully this is what the Book of Boba Fett is going to tell us. Um, yeah. And I love that title as well. The fact that it's called the Book of Boba Fett, not just Boba Fett, the yeah. series, suggests to me that it's going to be like a complete beginning, middle and end of his story. Like they're going to tell us everything to bring yeah. us up to date. They're going to tell us, you know, how he, you know, they might even go even further back into the prequels with, you know, like they could get Daniel, Lo like I know Daniel Logan, the guy who played him in... Um, Attack of the Clones um, yeah. has campaigned hard to get involved, um, and that's the but like he was appearing on stuff like the Star Wars show on yeah. YouTube and like social media channels and stuff to the point that I was like, got oh well, he's yeah, yeah, because they're not just going to like pander to this guy if because yeah, he's not exactly got like a massive following. No. Like the traction behind getting him to play young Boba Fett was like people were like, hey, that'd be cool. Yeah. And he's like, do you want to donate to a Kickstarter? And everyone's like, mm, no. Uh, no. Yeah, um, so I think that they could quite easily do that. They, again, they could have a flashback episode where, you know, we were intercutting between old man Boba in um, in Jabba's palace, um, cutting back to a sort of a, a you know young 20s Boba Fett finding his way in the galaxy, putting maybe the first we see when he changes the colour scheme on the armour. Um, yeah, and all that sort of stuff, like some really like pivotal moments in Jab in the the history of Jabba Fett, uh, Jabba Fett, Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett. Um, 
yeah, to make a complete book of Boba Fett. Yeah. It's going to be sick. I can't wait. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring it on. Get it done. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, sorry, this has been a particularly long one, but we knew it would be. Um, yeah, we did need. We, we have been uh, putting it off just for a spoilers, um, but b also because of the length. We knew this would be a long, long talk. We knew it would be a girthy episode. Absolutely. Um, so that's going to be us wrapping up for Mandalorian. Um, we've spoken briefly in this episode about the other stuff coming up on Disney Plus. We may end up doing some coverage on those things as well just because movies as we all know are very slow at the moment um not necessarily going to do a week to boot maybe we'll do a wrap-up of uh wandavision that will be a six episode run starting in january uh so yeah wait for that to play itself out and then talk about it in one hit um but in the meantime we have got some movies coming up um we've just put out soul we've got um wonder woman 84 um so have a listen to those let us know what you think um, and then, yeah, if there's anything else that we're missing, that things that have come out or that we've we've skipped over, um, let us know, and we'll, we'll we'll get back to it and cover some of the Netflix uh, movies and other bits and pieces that are coming out. <laughs> yeah, because Netflix are the only people making new things right now. Yep. Um, well, you know, we do have the stand coming up as well. That's going to be yeah, the stand on the UK um, uh, stars coming up soon. So yeah. I think maybe we can start talking about that. Yeah, we've talked about um, doing the whole uh, David Fincher thing potentially. Yes, uh, because there's the new there's a new David. I say new. It came out about a month ago now. We still haven't got around to it. Uh, the David Fincher movie on Netflix, uh, Mank, with Gary Oldman, um, and he's one of our favourite directors. So we thought maybe we'd do a retrospective on his work, um, similar to that we've done with uh, Nolan earlier this year. Um, so we might do that. Um, yeah. There's things to keep us going. Um, so we'll we'll keep going. Yeah, we got plenty coming up, so stick with us. And uh, thank you for listening to us for another year. Yeah, yeah, this will be this will probably be our second last year. Yeah, this will be our our last episode of twenty twenty. So um, thank you for sticking with us as we try to keep it going this year. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully next year we'll start to come back to a little bit more normality once we start into you know April May sort of time. Um, we might be getting some more. Uh, releases at the cinema and some of the things that were delayed this year, things like Bond. Um, and, Never heard of it. Oh, don't need that fucking film to come out. Yeah, my um, girlfriend did ask about it and she was like, um, when is that out? And I was like, I think it's May. I think they're saying April now. Um, okay. Which, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <sighs> sure. Fucking hell. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you on the next episode. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll see you maybe next year. Probably next year. Um, it's probably not going to be. It's probably just going to keep going, isn't it? Yeah. We're all going to wake up on December the 32nd, 2020, and we're going, what the fuck? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to get um, rebooted, and we're just going to see how, we, how, how much better we fare doing 2021 a second time. I think it's just going to be like um, the Y2K bug has been just resting on its laurels all this time. <laughs> it's the 2020 is what threw it. It was We were all worried about 2000, but it was the other, the next set of twos and zeros that fucked it up. And planes will fall out of the sky. It'll be fucking chaos. <laughs> oh dear. Don't even joke. No. Something's going to happen. Why the fuck not? Eh? Why not at this point? <laughs> Honestly. 
Right. I think we should call it there and say yeah. good night to the readers. All right. Night to the readers. Good night, readers. See you soon. Oi. Maybe. Yeah, it's a good one. It's good. Yeah, well, I need to edit that. That's fucking quite long. Quite yeah. long. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Oh, dear. All right, mate. Right, I'm going to have to go because I have got work in the morning. So. You silly, silly bastards. Hey, you might get me a PlayStation out of it. So. You better. Maybe. We'll see. Well, I bet I've, I didn't get up until like 12 ish today, so I'm only halfway through my course, day. Of course you didn't. You live, in a, you live in another world right now, don't you? I don't know what the fuck's going on, mate. Different Grandma. level of existence. <laughs> it's like Fry when he's had his 100th cup of coffee. Yeah. Taste taste colours. Yeah. Up is white, black down. is east. Yeah, yeah I can smell sound. <laughs> Wait, that smells like a car horn. <laughs>